today where unfortunately we would have a podcast for you but you know what shit happens you know life happens we there was a pandemic in 2020 shit happens we we just might we just don't got it today like it's sometimes sometimes you have an off night kobe has an off night sometimes sometimes we just got an off night sometimes draymond green puts you in a chokehold that's what happened that's why there's no podcast today draymond green put this podcast in a rear naked choke he hit us with the Coquina clutch, and now we are out for the three because then he put us in the muscle buster. Um, that was Tyler Fornis of USA Today Vikings Wire. Tyler, because you hit us up with the rear naked choke comment, you got 30 seconds. Start off with your ISO. Your time starts now. I think we need to talk about two guys in the coach of the year conversation that really haven't been talked about at all. Um, last week, we talked about Kevin O'Connell, and this week, I, th- I think we need to, ha- to have that conversation about Mike Tomlin. The Steelers are what seven and three, and they're dog shit. They they are a bad football team. They have been outgained by something like nine hundred yards so far this year, and they are just getting beaten and throttled. And they keep winning. Mike Tomlin is arguably the best coach in the National Football League, not named Andy Reid. And I apologize, they're six and three, but we need to give him credit because this roster with that quarterback and that offense should not be doing this, and they are. They're six and three and have been outgained in every game. That is, I don't know how they keep doing it, but they continue to do it. Uh, speaking of not knowing how they do it, but continuing to do it, I don't know how we keep letting Kevin onto this show, but he continues to show up. He is the parasite latching on to every single one of Damn us. Right. Kevin, how you doing today? Here is your 30 seconds, unfortunately, ISO mode. Go. When Washington State quarterback Tyler Holinsky took his own life in 2018, there's a real conversation about how we change mental health in college sports. It turns out we haven't changed it because Lane Kiffin is saying stuff to his own players about mental health as if it's like some funny joke. It's not a funny joke. There's a real problem with mental health in college sports, and it seemingly has not fixed. And, well, it probably should be fixed soon. I think there's a really important point, especially when you consider the positions of power that coaches have over these are basically children. Like you, I think we have conflated the, the whole point of like student athlete. They are a student first, then the athlete part. But I think with like the things that happen with NIL is like, oh, they're at their employees now. And they know they're, these are still children. These are still people trying to learn like who they are in life, like even outside of football. And that's going to come with a lot of rocky things. And like Kevin said, as a coach, you are responsible for all. These are all basically your children now. Like you, you, you were the person over them. You are basically like their guardian. And you just, it's a terrible way to go about it. If you're laying Kevin, Um, Alex, welcome back to the show. Your 30 seconds starts now. You are in ISO mode. 
Yeah, man, I'm going to talk about the Washington versus Oregon thing. Obviously, I'm a little bit biased. I went to Washington. I cover them kind of like here and there. Um, but a lot of people are still on this whole thing about Oregon should be ranked over Washington because like, oh, well, like, look at the way that Oregon is beating these teams. Washington has beat five teams that have a, a record of 500 or better. Boise State's five and five. Arizona's got seven wins. USC's got seven. Utah's got seven. And they beat Oregon, notably head-to-head. -head. Oregon's a nine-win team. Oregon has only beaten, beaten three teams with a record of 500 or better. That's five-win Texas Tech, which is a game they should have lost. Uh, seven-win Utah, who they beat the crap out of. And seven-win USC. So two of those wins are in common. You can argue that Oregon beat Utah better than, than UW beat Utah, but UW also beat USC probably better than Oregon did. Um, I don't really get it. Also, scoreboard. That's really the big thing. Scoreboard, losers. Cope, seethe, do whatever, but scoreboard. Speaking of teams that have two losses on their scoreboard, AJ, welcome back. 30-second ISO. <clears throat> so the NCAA has found itself in hot water once again because they just can't get out of their own way. Uh, They're facing three separate lawsuits that in total about athlete revenue and, and withholding revenue and things like that, uh, that in total could cost them about $4 billion in total damages money that the NCA simply doesn't have. And when this court case is like kind of comes to a head, we could see significant, significant changes to the structure of the NCAA and college sports as we know it across the board. And my ISO, I was going to talk about Michigan and Sharon Moore. But I'm calling a crossover here. Arizona, how the hell did you lose $240 million? <laughs> you explain that. Because a minor miscalculation, somebody forgot to carry a one, and now Arizona has to fold their entire athletic program, which sucks because Jed Fish has finally led that program to actually being good in football, and Arizona basketball is still one of the best programs in the country, but they are broke boys, and we can't talk to broke boys. They got Kevin running the budget over there. <laughs> spent all the money on cereal and don't know where it went hey man i think it's very funny that somebody came up is like hey uh where's that 240 million dollars we were supposed to have it's like yeah about they that. literally watched office space and figured out how to poorly defraud a company <laughs> you know you know how much i would pay to be a fly in the wall or fly on the wall rather when they like realized that they were down that much money uh, I would pay the $260 million just to like go back in time and realize, hey, man, we're broke. <laughs> Somebody you know that Kevin had them running the budget because he just added on an extra $20 million. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know, what, Alex, there probably is an extra $20 million that they haven't accounted for yet. I, don't I, would, think, I wouldn't put it past them. I don't think they have an extra $20 million. And it's very funny that they have to move to the Big 12 next year. They're trying to speed that shit up so quick. Like, hey, can we get some of that money now? Can we can we get that check a little hey, early? One dollar. One dollar. <laughs> somebody put a one instead of a zero somewhere, and now the entire athletic program is under. Like that's who found it out. Who who found it out? Because that guy deserves like a medal for the amount of shit he got afterwards. Oh, you know what happened? The AD's car declined at the gas station. Like, hmm, that's weird. The company card usually works. Don't make a phone call to the secretary. Like, hey, you, my card didn't work. Can we do? Can we check that real quick? Goes into the spreadsheet. Like, hey, I need you to come to the office real quick. It's not good. <laughs> I need you to come to the office. They had the finance guy sitting in there, like, first day on the job, balancing the Arizona checkbook. I think I'm doing a pretty good job. 
ironically, not ironically, but it's no coincidence that this happened after Gronk was on campus. <laughs> Gronk shows up, leaves, and now you're down $240 million. That man he thought the party out. bus was a tax write-off. It turns out it was just a part of the Arizona budget. That man spent that on a cruise ship to the Philippines with him and Cliff Kingsbury. They are never coming back. <laughs> but speaking of Cliff Kingsbury and other failures in the football world, it's time to talk playoffs. I think we are at week 10. We're going into week 11 of the NFL season. And it feels like it's kind of flown by. It, it doesn't feel like it's already past week 10, and yet here we are. It's about to be Thanksgiving, and we got playoff seating to really think about now. So as of today, uh, the AFC looks like the number one seed is Kansas State Chiefs. The Baltimore Ravens are the two. The Jacksonville Jaguars are the three seed. The Miami Dolphins are four. The Pittsburgh Steelers are five somehow. The Cleveland Browns are six somehow. And the Houston Texans, not the Houston Texas, thanks, Kevin, are the seventh seed. And then the NFC, you got the Eagles at the one seed, the Detroit Lions at the two seed, San Francisco 49ers at the three, the Saints at the four, the Seahawks at the five, Dallas Cowboys at six, and the Minnesota Vikings at seven. So, AJ, I'm going to start with you. What is the most surprising thing, Ben, and in, on either side of the playoff picture uh, throughout the first 10 weeks? The Texans. I, I mean, I feel like I feel like that. It's kind of because you we're all sitting here going, there's there's nine or ten different teams that could make the playoff, and nobody in the offseason had the Texans even even in this conversation. Like if the Texans finished with five total wins, then like that, you know, like they were going, Oh yeah, that's they were fun. That's fine. And now they're like a legitimate playoff contender. They are one game behind the Jaguars in the in the South right now. And CJ Stroud has played tremendously i mean you can't really say enough about how good cj stroud has been and with the steelers and the browns if somebody's going to take themselves out if the jaguars if they can't figure out how to protect trevor lawrence like who knows what this texans team could do i mean even if they just make a wild card and lose like that's still a, a huge crazy success for Demico ryan's first year yeah you're already way ahead of schedule at this point and you got your two franchise cornerstones on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. This is just kind of, you're playing with house money at this point. Alex, what has been the most surprising thing to you about the playoff picture so far? Yeah, man. I think it's the uh, more of some of the teams that we omitted, right? Uh, the Bills are not in the playoffs right now. The Bengals are not in the playoffs right now. Um, those are really the, the two main ones. Um, I I looked at the NFC playoff picture real quick while I was talking and uh, no, I'm not surprised by any of those. Um, <clears throat> it's the Bengals and the bills. Um, obviously the bills have uh, had whatever has been going on with them going on. Um, it feels like the, the bills struggles have been very public because it seems like every time they're on TV, it's a primetime game. And so like it's a primetime game and then they don't play well. And then all of a sudden everyone's like, we need to have a conversation about the bills. We need to discourse about the bills. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Good teams do this sometimes. Even bad teams. Like, good teams do this sometimes. Middling teams do this sometimes. Bad teams do this sometimes. Uh, like, just happens. Uh, the Bills are third in offensive EPA per play. Like, I don't know. It's probably fine. The Bills didn't think so because they fired Ken Dorsey today. But, you know, what are you going to well, do? Let's just spin this off into a little bit of the Ken Dorsey and the Bills discourse. I think, of course, I think they fired the wrong guy. I think 
somebody had to answer for the crimes that is the Bills offense, which isn't even a crime. The offense works. Like they're doing stuff with Josh Allen. They're doing stuff with the run game that they're actually like trying to do. But the turnovers really are the big thing. And even those turnovers, I don't think it's more on scheme. And this is my biggest thing with the Bills. It's not the scheme. That's the problem. You just don't have the dudes this year. That's that's the biggest thing. The turnovers look bad because every time they turn the ball over, the defense can't make make up for it because that defense isn't good right now. Even before the injuries, they lack depth at major spots. You know, you went into the season with Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde as your safeties. They're getting old. Like they built that defense on aging stars. And this is what happens. They don't play a lot and they get hurt and you end up healthy scratch, Kair Elam. And then that snowballs into poor drafting. And that's something that's playing Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, since they've gotten to the, since they got Josh Allen, honestly, like you can spin this into not getting Josh Allen enough weapons. You can take that wherever you want, but the lack of a true number two receiver has been their biggest issue. Gabe Davis is football. J.R. Smith. I think he is going to be good for one highlight catch a game. And then he just does bozo stuff the rest of the game. And that's, that's not consistent or it doesn't have the same boom when you can't do it consistently. Like against the Broncos drop the pass, led to the interception snowballing. James Cook was supposed to be JD McKissick. Like that Brandon Bean said they drafted James Cook to do the JD McKissick thing. What? Like, are you serious? You drafted that guy in day two to be JD overall. Okay. And now he is the lead back. Like it's it's really poor roster construction, and it's kind of overshadowing a really, really good year for Josh Allen. And to your point about the drafting success, we were talking about in the group chat earlier before we started recording. Like, we're going through the last few years of, of Brandon Bean's drafts, and like one of the only hits that we could find was the kicker. That's not good, man. <laughs> like, that's a problem. Like, when one of your hits is that, like, yeah, you took Tyler Bath in the sixth round and he's been a, a quality NFL kicker, and, like, that's the best that you can say, that sucks, dude. Like, there's really no other way to put it. Yeah, it's just you really can't ex- – not saying you can't expect – you can't expect Ken Dorsey to make the most out of, like, poor – like weapons. He he did as much as he could with again Gabe Davis as your wide receiver too. The the bad interception Josh Allen threw on Monday night. He was throwing to Deontay Hardy. Like you're you're throwing field outs to a yeah. 5-7 receiver. Like please be serious. I think the other thing about this is that like as you guys have mentioned like these games are on Monday night so all of Josh Allen's mistakes and he has a few of them at game. Like, that's just who he is at this point. He's a gunslinger who thinks, like, he can make every throw in the book. Like, that's what they were talking about in the Monday Night Football broadcast. Like, oh, man, he can make every throw in the book. And I think the next play was, like, a dropped interception. Uh, but, like, he makes some throws that, like, probably shouldn't happen. And sometimes they get bailed out because he's got Stephon Diggs there. But when Stephon Diggs is getting covered, Gabe Davis isn't bailing him out. Deontay Hardy ain't bailing him out. Dalton Kincaid, like, has been good. But he ain't bailing him out. Like it's bad there. And then I think the other thing is like special teams has been pretty bad this year for them. You know, we're talking 12 man on the field on a game winning field goal because you didn't know how to sub properly. 
you know, game winning punt return touchdown in week one against the the Jets, you know, in a game where they lose their starting quarterback. Like this is a team that is failing to w- play complementary football at any high level. And that's the reason why they're five and five. It's not because Ken Dorsey couldn't call an effective offense. It's because, you know, every week it feels like one unit is messing up and on Monday night, it was every unit messing up. Like the offense didn't play well. You know, the defense was actually pretty good. Uh, you know, the, the special teams unit, again, wasn't that good. Like that's why you lose these games. It's not because Ken Dorsey can't channel his like inner like God complex and like turn Deontay Hardy into like the greatest wide receiver of all time. And it just feels like their window, like, we talk a lot about title windows, contention windows. Feels like it's closed. Like it was not, it feels like an emphatic close. Losing to the Denver Broncos at home. They know the Bills normally don't lose at home. But then you lose like that on national television. And Sean McDermott after the game is like, yeah, I don't know how that happened. Like we practiced that. They practiced doing the Mayday field goal thing. They practiced getting the defense on and off the field. And it still happened. You look, he, you keep pointing to everybody else. You keep getting rid of every coordinator. You keep getting rid of all the symptom or all the supposed symptoms, but the same problem keeps coming up. Maybe you're the problem. Yeah. Like, Maybe this is really the, the thing here. AJ? No, I, I really wonder how many hats is Sean McDermott wearing and when is that eventually going to bite him? Right, Leslie Frazier, you know, left the team in the offseason. And so Sean McDermott was both the head coach and the defensive coordinator. And now he's fired his offensive coordinator, who had had who was like you're going to an now an offensive coordinator who was fired previously from his other NFL job. How many how many you know, times can you say, well, it's this guy's fault, it's this guy's fault? Like how many times have we seen a head coach survive firing both having both coordinators off the team from one year to the next doesn't really happen all that often right it it just kind of depends on if the bills are want to actually be serious if they're just going to go well we had success with these guys before so we're going to run it back and see if they figure it out like i i don't think like what is mcdermott doing right now like like what is he himself bringing to that team too much. I, I think it's too much. It's like, it's too much, and I think he's overthinking. Like right now, he's wearing simply too many hats. I, I think he's probably best being a defensive coordinator somewhere. I think I think we are at that point where we are saying Sean McDermott was a good defensive coordinator, but as far as being a head coach, it's just not clicking for him. Tyler and Eclair, if you would, or Odie, I don't I don't remember which one. Tyler, you're up next. What has been the most surprising thing when it comes to the current playoff picture? I think we'd be remiss to not talk about the Cleveland Browns. And they're a very difficult subject to talk about because of the quarterback. And look, it's really hard to praise anything Deshaun Watson does because of all the off the field stuff. But as a football player, it was he had a very impressive game against the Ravens, not for his stat sheet. Um, The stat sheet wasn't great, but he was efficient and he led a comeback against a a really, really good Ravens team when they were, they were down 17 to three, 31, 17. 
and he could barely walk. Uh, that defense really has been ca- uh, carrying the Browns all season, and the offense has been doing enough. And they are six and three. They might be the quietest uh, team three games above five hundred in the NFL. And a lot of it, I think, has to do with the fact that their quarterback uh, was accused uh, multiple, multiple, multiple times of sexual assault. Uh, but this Browns team, they're figuring it out. And I think they're going to be in a position next year. The, the, the Bills are in this year. There's too much money poured into uh, a few football players, and you're relying on all these guys that, that really probably shouldn't be relied on, but you don't have a choice because you've invested so much money into a few positions. And the Browns are a sneaky Super Bowl team this year because of that defense, because of Kevin Stefanski, and because of how well he's structuring that offense. And in an, in an AFC that's honestly um, going to end up being a bloodbath, it's going to be really interesting to see how the Browns factor in here. And that win against the Ravens, had a couple fluky plays for both sides, but it wasn't a fluke that they won. And as difficult as it is to give them attention because of the Deshaun Watson factor, the the whole team does deserve some praise for how well they played this year. Yeah, and I think the Ravens game was really interesting, especially when it comes to talking about Deshaun as quarterback on the field, because in the first half, his average depth of target was like 14 yards. And he was not hitting any. He couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. So what they did in the second half was like, hey, you're not doing that again. His average depth of target dropped to like three yards. And that I don't think that's that's as much of an indictment on Deshaun as it is like throwing deep on the Ravens is hard. Like that's that's what you do when you can run the ball for four or five yards of carry, which they were. It's easy to be like, okay, we don't have to throw the ball deep like we. We can just get those yards running the ball. We can we can let Deshaun play point guard. Dave Njoku had a great day. Amari Cooper is awesome. So they really found out their best way to win. And then that defense is absurd. Like they're getting such good play out of everybody at every level. Jeremiah Usukormo is playing awesome. Grant Delpit's having a great year. But I think the defensive change from Joe Woods to Jim Schwartz has really unlocked all the athletes on that team because they really don't do a lot of like, not not a lot of quarters, quarter, quarter, half. Screw that. We're playing man. We're playing cover one, cover three. You have to beat us. And it works because they've invested so much in that defensive back room. They got a lot of first round picks, a lot of high paid, highly paid players back there. Let those guys go be athletes. Like that's the let your athletes go be athletes. And I think the Browns defense has really done that to a perfect to a T this year. So, Kevin, what has surprised you the most about the current AFC NFC playoff picture? It is absolutely not sustainable, in my opinion. But the Las Vegas Raiders have the same amount of wins as the Buffalo Bills and Cincinnati Bengals. And look, they are two and oh under new interim head coach Antonio Pearson. They've beaten bad teams in the Jets and Giants, but there's a real vibe shift there. Like there was a video on TikTok of Devontae Adams at the Las Vegas bas- college basketball games during that first day. And he was like, man, we love it here. This is new. This is fun. And like, they weren't saying that when Josh McDaniels was there. We talked about it on the last podcast. They hated that man. And so like, look, they play the Chiefs twice. They play the Dolphins 
in the, the rest of their schedule, they're probably not making the playoffs. But, like, you know what? Feel kind of good about where they are right now. And, like, a real argument to be had about, like, hey, man, maybe people just hated Josh McDaniels and maybe they get hot at the right time and that's all that it takes. Like, I, I don't know if, like, I, again, I don't think it's sustainable, but, you know, it, it's fun to kind of watch them be like this and, and play good football. I also think, kind of to Kevin's point, uh, sticking in the AFC West, uh, very quietly, the Denver Broncos have put themselves back in playoff contention, which if you had said that after they got smoked like 70 to 20 by Miami, I think everybody would have laughed at you. But but like the defense since then has really been fine. Has been, yeah, they've, they've gotten healthy in the pass rush room, right, you know, uh, Baron Browning, Nick, Nick Benito, Jonathan Cooper, they've been great. Obviously, Patrick Sertan and Justin Simmons in the secondary are two of the best players at their position, and they're getting quality play out of the linebacker room. And sneakily, the offense has kind of turned another corner. You know, Javante Williams is is you know, kind of getting back into gear. He's healthy. Uh, and Russell Wilson, to his credit, isn't making the same kind of boneheaded Russell Wilson mistakes we were seeing at least to the same like level of frequency like we were last year right Sean Payton has kind of dumbed it down and said you throw here now and if you don't I'm going to yell at you um it's like the offense has kind of turned into this what is similar to Drew Brees in a kind of like point and shoot style of it's going to be here on this time if you try and freelance like don't get that out of here um so I think it's it's kind of interesting that the Broncos have very quietly turned the corner and we're going to kind of see how like Sean Payton is is he talked a lot of smack coming into that job. He he just was all over Hackett and all that and he's starting to back the talk up right now. Yeah, and I guess like I'll close out the AFC West talk, I guess, to talk about the team that I cover uh, for a job. Uh, that's the Los Angeles Chargers, who are four and five, kind of like just outside this in the hunt picture. Um, they're not going to make the playoffs. <laughs> they're just not going to. They're like tangentially in the hunt. They're going to win against the Packers next week, probably, and get back to five and five. And they're going to be back on the graphics and everything. But they still have to play the Ravens. They have to play the Bills. They have to play the Chiefs. They play the Broncos twice. They have a Raiders game still that's in Las Vegas. Like, they're going to have a very, very difficult time cracking this field because the best case scenario, right, is if you look – and this has kind of been something that's been going around charger circles kind of throughout the week and since they lost this game to the Lions on Sunday is, like, even if you win the games that you should win, the Packers, the Patriots – one of the Broncos games, and you should probably beat the Raiders at the very least, right? That gets you at nine wins. You're nine and eight. I don't think that's good enough to make the playoffs in this AFC field. I think that you are going to have to have double-digit wins, which means that you either need to sweep the Broncos, beat the Ravens, beat the Bills, or beat the Chiefs. Are you confident that the that this Chargers team, the way that they look, can do any of those because <laughs> like I'm it's personally not it's really bad and i'm going to talk a little bit about the both broncos and the chargers the broncos are really interesting to me because they've kind of done what i thought they would do at the beginning of the season which is all they need is just one big rust play they just need one 
They needed the Cortland Sutton touchdown. That's all. That's the one play. So my dad does this all the time playing playing basketball. He says he has one one athletic move left in him every every year. That's Russell Wilson every week. You get one. You get one Russ Cook move. You get one. Outside of that, don't do anything else. If you don't see it, run. And it's worked. The run game looks a lot better. Cortland Sutton looks fully healthy. And all Russ has to do is just get to the first option. And that it's worked. Now, for the Chargers, I know the defense has been like better this year, but only the run defense. Only, only the, the run, run defense, defense has been better. better. The past defense has been I was gonna say, I was gonna say the defense is better, but really has it really like, it's the same. Like it's really just been the same. And they got their ass whooped on Sunday. Like it's not like like they got their ass whooped. Like it was not a fun game for them defensively. Like it was really bad when David Montgomery did not have to read where he was making his cut for like three yards off the ball because the offensive line was blowing the Chargers off the ball. They, I think the Chargers gave the Chargers gave up four point one yards after contact in that game to the to the Lions. The Chargers in total averaged 3.5 yards a carry just in general on offense. The Lions outgained that after contact. And then I tweeted out the stat uh, from Sports Info Solutions. They really did one thing. They did the little out they did the uh Shanahan, I think it's called Zorro, the little outside zone toss. They did that to Panay Sewell's side on all on all runs at the right ta- off right tackle or on the right outside of the play right outside of the field the lions averaged 12.4 yards a carry so, it's really good. simple man you got your ass whooped and in a game where justin herbert was phenomenal like it was he was a phenomenal player in that game you score 38 points you should win the game but you know you give up 41. And this isn't the first time that this happens this year. Week one against the Dolphins. <laughs> you score a lot of points. You should win the game. And then the defense lets you down. It's just, you know, maybe it's just because the offensive-minded head coach. You just got to get a defensive mind in there. You got to get a real defensive guru as the head coach. Really change the culture around. But we can talk a little bit about the AFC Super Bowl contenders. Do you guys feel comfortable about any of them like outside of Kansas city AJ uh yeah the Baltimore Ravens same yeah so the Ravens are interesting I think they are a really really good team I think they are built to be a legit Super Bowl contender but there's just so much weird stuff that happens for the Ravens every week like it's it's never a normal game for that Ravens team and against the Browns, it was really weird, but they also lost Ronnie Stanley, so they really couldn't run the ball. But even then, like, the thing coming in for them this year was how are they going to stay healthy? It just sucks that now those questions are popping back up in week 10. But I I want to believe in this Ravens team. They just do so much weird shit. I think the AFC is going to come down to whichever team is hot at the at the end of the year. And, like, I don't know which team that is. I don't. Like, go ahead, AJ. No, you just cut me off there, Kevin. It's okay. But like to to Kevin's point, yeah, they have the Bengals game, 
right coming up. Um, they play the Chargers, the Rams, Jaguars, 49ers, Dolphins, and Steelers to close out the Ravens do. Uh, if you could, if you're winning throughout those games, you like you're getting hot through you. You got to play Miami. You got to play the Steelers. Uh, obviously the 49ers, we don't, I, I, we're not going to count the Chargers and Rams that we're not, that's just not going to happen. If you could take a, you put the Bengals away in this Thursday night game coming up, like, like it, to me, there's, there's no quarterback right now playing better than Lamar Jackson. Um, and I just, I just think that that with that defense is enough to win you games, especially with the AFC kind of still being wide open, right? The chiefs have laid some clunkers, you know, there there's capacity for everybody in, in the AFC right now and an elite quarterback and a high level defense. I think I'm going to bank on that over almost anybody else. Yeah. And kind of to AJ's point, like my, my thing with the Ravens was, was going to be similar with, which is that. I think that really the only thing separating the Ravens and the chiefs at this point is the injuries like JP mentioned, where the Ravens are just dealing with so many more injuries, which it seems like they are every single season, right? Like Ronnie Stanley is down. Now you've missed Tyler Linderbaum for a couple games, obviously JK Dobbins towards Achilles. And so you're out there running sets with Gus Edwards and justice Hill and like Keaton Mitchell is starting to come off now. And so they've kind of solved that problem now, but it's like, you know, you, you kind of have to like, with the Ravens, it always kind of feels like another one of those sort of problems is looming, right? Where it's like, you have to figure out an answer to this. And that usually takes a couple of weeks. If you have to figure out an answer for like what you're going to do at left tackle with Ronnie Stanley out, and it's going to take a couple weeks. Do you have a couple weeks to figure that out when you're in a battle for the one seat with the chiefs who also have an elite quarterback and a high tier defense? Like, other than that, there's really nothing separating those two teams, at least in my mind, because I think that we need to start having a conversation and we have started it a little bit, um, but more just kind of like in the general sphere is what I'm talking about of like Lamar Jackson is playing like the second best quarterback in the league right now. He might be playing like the best quarterback in the league because I mean, obviously, like you have to give Patrick Mahomes a little bit of a cushion because he's Patrick Mahomes, but like Lamar is playing out of his mind in the, this year. And so, like, when you take a guy that's just on a heater like that and you take the way that this Ravens defense has played with Mike McDonald, who's going to get head, co- head coaching looks this offseason, like, that team is capable of making a run in the playoffs. And like Kevin said, it's just going to kind of depend on who's hot once we get into the actual bracket because, like, this is a team that's built to beat anyone one-on-one in a one-game playoff format. It's just a matter of, like, are they going to have all of their dudes for that game or not? So – Kevin, Tyler, I want to ask you a question about the NFC, not the NFC, but AFC, and then we'll flip over to the other conference. Of the middle-class teams that aren't the Chiefs and the Ravens, that'd be like the Jaguars, Dolphins, Steelers. We can even include the Bengals in this conversation. But which of these middle-class teams do you have the most faith in figuring it out right when we get to playoff time? Kevin? I I know I'm going to sound biased, but it's the Dolphins, right? Like, this is a team that is getting healthy at the right time. Jalen Ramsey's coming back. Tron Armstead's healthy. Devonta Chan's healthy. Like, this is a team that's healthy now. And we sort of saw them click at the right time against the the Chiefs. Like, it wasn't great. They lost the game. But that defense played incredibly well. And it was not – it was not the problem. And the defense was the problem – earlier in the season, but the defense is playing well. I trust this offense to come back. 
like this offense is going to be fine, guys. I I get the I, I get the discussion about like oh well they haven't beaten a team with a winning record. I don't care. It's tiring. It doesn't mean anything, right? Like I just like I guess we're just trying to find narratives to push. It doesn't mean anything because the Buffalo Bills just lost to the Denver Broncos, who the 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 Dolphins beat by fifty five points, right? Like yeah, as, as Mike but... McDaniel says, as as Mike McDaniel says, he says that. There is no like bad team in the NFL. And I, I truly believe that, right? Like there is no real bad team in the NFL, right? There, oh, the there Giants is pretty bad. The Panthers the Giants are bad. The, the Giants are bad. Yeah. The, the Panthers are bad. But like there is no like team that is like not capable of winning any given week, right? Like <laughs> we just named two of them. The Giants have a win. The Panthers have a win, right? Like the Panthers beat the Texans and the you know, CJ Shroud, the potential MVP at quarterback, right? Like there are teams that lose every week to teams that they should beat. The Chiefs lost to the Broncos. The the Bills lost to the the every team in the NFL, it seems like at this point, right? Like there is a real thing about like, hey guys, you can win any given Sunday. And the Dolphins have handled business against those teams. And I think they figure it out against the I, I think they figured out against the teams with the winning record because they're finally healthy. And that's like really what matters for the, the Dolphins because like you can't win with the beat up defensive line or offensive line, excuse me, and no Jalen Ramsey. And you got Eli Apple out there playing 95% of the snaps on defense. I think the defense is starting to figure it out, which is a good thing for the Dolphins. I just, I don't know, man. I think the. What's, what's your problem the, then with the offense? They scored 70 points against another NFL team during the season. Like, I think the thing with the offense for me is the health of the offensive line. Like that's a, a and they're healthy major, now and they're healthy now. Problem. And like, I guess again, my thing, can Jalen Waddle play a full football game? I don't that's give a fuck if he does it or not, dude. Braxton Berrios has looked good, dude. They have the best wide receiver in football oh. right now. Tyreek Hill. I don't give a fuck. Oh God, Kevin. Um, uh, uh, here, here's my thing with the dolphins. And I mean this in, in a somewhat derogatory way. 2023 Dolphins are the 2022 Vikings. They're kind of a paper. They're kind of a paper tiger right now. Um, like when when you look at uh, who the Dolphins have played, and yes, they had a 50 point win, and they deserve all the credit in the world for that. When they go up and they play really good football teams, they crumble. They lost to the Chiefs. They got smoked, absolutely smoked by the Bills. And that's that's the problem. Can, can the Dolphins beat a really good football team? I don't know that answer. And and until I actually have seen it and know that it, it's it can happen, I I'm going to keep them at arm's length. And and especially for as we talked about the health issue. Yeah, the offensive line is healthy for now. Taron Armstead is going to take a step and he's going to blow something in his leg and be out for the season because that's what he does. Like he's an elite tackle but he doesn't play football and Jalen Waddle has missed parts of like what it feels like seven games. It's probably only three, but it, he's consistently getting injured and that kind of durability stuff matters because there's only so much Tyree kill can do for that team. He needs a running mate. And that's why that combination is lethal together. I want to see Miami put it together against a great team. They haven't done it yet. And until then they're a paper tiger. So, I'm not gonna call. I'm not gonna call them paper tigers. I think they are a a good, very good team. I think my biggest thing when I was mentioning the offensive line is 
they don't just like, I think the thing when we talk about, oh, they lose to good teams, it's not just losing to good teams. They lose to teams with good defensive lines. Like, of course, like the game, footballs are, football games are one up front, but they do kind of get physically overmatched by teams with good defensive fronts, like the Chiefs and the Eagles and the Bills when they were healthy, kind of physically overwhelmed that offensive line. So that's something that I do think I have a little bit of a question about for the Dolphins. I do think they figure it out. I think the team that I have the most faith in in that middle class is the Bengals, ultimately. I still think they're 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 still a good team. They're still a really good team. I think they figure it out. I I think they dug themselves into a hole with the early season struggles. And now, like, you've made this Thursday night game against the Ravens a must-win because you cannot go down into the hole that you dug yourself in in the AFC North. Like you, you cannot lose this game. This is a this is a playoff game for the Bengals. Like you have to win this one. I think I just think they figure it out. I I don't know. Like I trust that that team and that defense figures it out. But man, it looked bad, and it it didn't just look bad. Like it wasn't like the offense that looked kind of bad, but the tackling on defense was really bad against the Texans. So that's the team I really had the most faith in when it comes to that middle class, the AFC. Um, we're going we're gonna to go to the, to the NFC. Uh, Tyler. Oh, okay, Tyler, what, go, go for it with your AFC. Go for it. Man, it, you just keep forgetting me. It's, uh, I, I feel well, really I insulted to to, here. I want to get to you because I want to talk about the Vikings. Well, 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 I'm sure there'll be plenty of Vikings discussion. Um, you you kind of stole my thunder because I was going to pick the Bengals. It's one, Joe Burrow's done it before. They went from the wild card, having to uh, play their games on the road, and they made it to the Super Bowl and were this close to winning the Super Bowl. They either had to stop Cooper Cup or they needed they to, to block, block Aaron Donald. Donald. <laughs> like the, the two things that are simple in concept and really hard to do, and they were unable to How do that in the Aaron Super Bowl. Donald simple in concept. <laughs> it, it is simple in concept. No, it's not. <laughs> it's it's just incredibly difficult to do because Aaron Aaron Donald is a bronze god. And the man is Thanos. Yeah, <laughs> he is Thanos. Concept like the but idea. Of- my point right. is, they Joe Burrow essentially carried them to one Super Bowl. They got to the AFC Championship game last year, lost by three. Lou Anarumo, the fact that he doesn't have a job is kind of a joke. He is phenomenal in running that defense. And they don't really have anybody truly elite on the back end, but they just have good players. They're good. Like, and it's 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 just a really impressive team. They, Joe Burrow getting hurt is the reason, in my opinion, why they're 0-3. They're going to figure it out. They're going to be fine. And all they need to do is get in the playoffs, and they can make a lot of noise. And I'm I'm still confident that they're going to be able to do that. So the thing is, like, the, with the Bengals, they're 0-2 in that division. You you have to win on Thursday. Like, you, mm-hmm. if you lose that game, it is it bad. over. Like, it's that those playoff hopes get down a lot. So you better fix it real quick. They may or may not have Trey Hendrickson, which is very, very kind of touch and go with that. He practiced today, but we'll see. But yeah, it's it's going to be interesting in the AFC because it seems like the middle class is kind of loaded with AFC teams. We're going to flip it to the NFC. And I'm going to start here first with my most surprising thing or takeaway from the NFC. And that is who wants to win the NFC South? 
And that's nobody. Nobody wants to win this division. It's really bad. Um, right now, the Saints are in the lead in that division. And they don't even want to win that division. They're not serious about winning football games. The Falcons aren't serious about winning football games. They, The Falcons are still trying to platoon quarterback, but not platoon quarterback because Arthur Smith thinks we're all, he's smarter than everybody else. And also that defense played really bad and lost to Kyler Murray in his first game back. Side note, that was the most touches Bijan got in the game and they lost. Arthur Smith has never given him the ball again. He is... He is showing up like, yep, nope, can't do it. More John U. Smith touches. It's got, we tried and we failed. But who wants to win that division? And even if you do win that division, you're going to run into either the Seahawks or the Cowboys in that wild, in that wild card game. That, that's going to be a colossal ass whooping. So I just wonder with two, the Falcons have the Saints this week and then they have them in the last week of the season. <sighs> I don't know who I – I'm not even going to pick who wins this division because I don't know if either of these teams actually want to. AJ? Yeah, I, I'm i still leaning to the Saints because they have a pretty daggum near elite passing defense, right? Like, 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 like their defense is, is still phenomenal. Even, even if the guys are, are still aging out, right, DeMario Davis, Cameron Jordan, guys like that are, are getting up there in age – for the Saints, the problem has been the offense has been remarkably inconsistent from game to game. You know, you look, they've kind of figured things out in the second half against the Jaguars, and then they go up and they in the Colts, like they play the Colts and the offense looks looks great. And then they kind of lay some clunkers again against the Vikings. Like like on paper, you look, the Vikings should not have won that game, and they did because the Saints offense could not. Yes, Tyler, I said that. Like, could not generate much of anything. Like, Jameis Winston came in, and he was the only reason they scored as much as they did. When you spend all this money on Derek Carr and Michael Thomas and guys like that, and the offense looks as bad as it does, it's kind of a problem. But do you do you trust the Falcons with no whatever the hell's going on at quarterback? Do you like like I'm leaning? I I just lean towards the saints more because Dennis Allen's defense can, has proven to carry them. And you know what? Alvin Kamara can get hot at any given point. Chris Olave can still make plays. You know, they still have Rashid Shahid and, and Juwan Johnson are still on that team. Like they have guys that can make some noise in a game. I don't think they'll win a playoff game, but in terms of winning the NFC South, I still like, I think I trust them over really anybody else in that division to just kind of, put enough together to win it. I want to talk about the Bucks, um, because theoretically the Bucks are still involved in the divisional race at four and five. Um, <laughs> and like we've already talked about, nobody wants to win this division. The Falcons are four and six. The Saints are five and five. Like the Bucks are still in it. Um, I trust the Bucks more than I trust the Falcons, but I think I trust them less than I trust the Saints. Um, so, like, I think that the way that the current standings are is probably how I would have it shaking out. But I do want to talk about them just in the sense that, like, there were a couple weeks where Baker Mayfield looked functional and, like, operational. And, like, that's kind of declined a little bit uh, in this middle stretch of the season. But, like, if, the, if they could figure that out again, they've started to kind of get a little bit of the running game with Rashad White going. Um, they're starting to use him a little bit 
more creatively get him like get him the ball in space like on passing downs and stuff he had a screen that he took for a touchdown last week um and like the defense has been fine getting Vita Vea back has been huge for them like they they've been you know they're kind of just like they're kind of the middle ground as at least the way that I see it right where like the Saints kind of have this very like roller coastery offense but a very good defense and the Falcons are just a worse version of that where they have a very roller coastery offense with like a less good defense and the Bucks just kind of have like a fine unit on both ends and they're not good but in this division that might be good enough to like sneak away with the division title at like nine and eight or eight and nine or something so before i get before i get to you aj i want to say something real quick about the falcons which is they have they probably have the easiest schedule of those three teams because the yeah. bucks still have to play the lions not the lions but they they play a lot of good teams left on that schedule um the saints still i think it's the saints that have to play the lions and then the bucks play i think the jaguars the falcons have Outside of the divisional games, they have the Jets, they have the Panthers, then they have the Colts, and they have the Bears. Come on, man. If you can't if you can't win the division playing that final stretch of teams, you don't deserve to win the division. Like you just you need to pack it up. But it's the Falcons. They probably aren't gonna win those games. Like it's just you cannot trust any of these teams and i don't know why you would want to trust any of these teams yeah, to, to kind of with your point with the schedule have you seen the bucks it they have to play the 49ers this week which is oh boy. yeah uh, but they get the colts they get the panthers twice the falcons packers jaguars and saints you could win you could win though i mean like and they're coming off they put up 31 on Houston, right? Like they, they only lost that game because CJ Stroud is a damn magician. And Derek right. Umbawale. Right. And he, yeah, exactly. Like it, they're, they're competitive. And like, you get the Panthers twice in that stretch. You get the Colts, you get the Packers, you get winnable games. And if you could beat, you know, they've already beaten the saints this year. So like they, they already have that one win over the saints if you can get another win out of the Falcons or like how this, with how this schedule closes out, like they, it, with the way they're figuring things out, I don't know, man, that it gets really, maybe the Bucks. I mean, could you imagine Baker Mayfield leads the Browns to the playoffs and then leads this Bucks team to the playoffs? And you are not convinced on him in any of those seasons. So right now, the Falcons have the best record in the division, like in terms of interdivision games. They're two and zero in the division, but they're also four and six. So they just beat up on the NFC South and lose every other game. But those two games, I think they played one against Tampa and one against the Panthers. They have not played the Saints yet, which, I mean, unless any of the other good conferences or good divisions have like really good final games. We might be looking at a primetime Saints Falcons winner take all division game. <laughs> We're sending Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Oh no. <laughs> Hold on. Where is that game? Where is that game? I, I need to see where they 
That game is it's in, in New Orleans. It's in New Orleans. Good luck, man. They're gonna. That's a Mike Tirico, Chris Collinsworth game, not Buck and Aikman. There's. It's gonna be Monday Night Football, final game of the regular season. Derek Carr versus Taylor. It might not even be Derek Carr. It might be Jameis Winston versus Taylor Heineke on Monday Night Football. To okay, win but the what division. if it's Jake Hayner? Versus Taylor Heineke for the NFC South. That would be the stinkiest division-winning oh game. Of It'd be nine thirty on a Saturday night in September of 2021. I'm in. Oh my god, that would be a horrendous football game. But everybody's going to watch. Speaking of everybody watching, I think it's time to talk about the Vikings. Are you got you guys ready to talk about the Vikings? Let's do it. We talking Vikings, Tyler? You ready to talk some Vikings? I'm always ready. It's I, I cover the team. Like I think they're good. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know. Like it's... I I do think they're good and it's uh, I kind of talked about the 2022 Vikings them being a paper tiger and it was something I fought and then as I really looked back on it and tried to keep an open mind, I realized how right a lot of people were by calling them that. I the way they went about it I thought was a little disrespectful. Because at the end of the day, the Vikings team in 2022, they still won 13 games. And they single-handedly convinced the Giants to sign Daniel Jones to an extension by allowing him to carve him up for like 700 yards across two games. Very long-term play. Um, But I want to read a couple stats for you. Um, This defense isn't getting nearly the credit that they should. Brian Flores has been a damn magician. They have won five games in a row, which I believe – is either the longest or tied for the longest winning streak in the National Football League. Just in the last five games, the Vikings defense is third in EPA per play, fourth in success rate per dropback, sixth in EPA per dropback, and eighth in EPA per rush. This defense is playing out of its mind, and they're psycho. They're first in three-man pressures. They're first in five-plus-man pressures, so blitzes. And they're 32nd in four-man pressures. All of that info for Sports Info Solutions. Yeah, that's real. It's the way Brian Flores is running this thing. He basically has no linebackers. Jordan Hicks suffered a shin injury and got compartment syndrome, and he had emergency surgery. Uh, he's just got placed on injured reserve. They, re- they signed Anthony Barr to the practice squad. They're basically going to be running with Ivan Pace Jr. as their green dot player, who was a UDFA this year. And it's working because they took safety Josh Mantellis and basically made him a hybrid linebacker. And he still does plenty of dropping. So they really rotate those safeties. Well, Cam Bynum has looked fantastic. Harrison Smith looks like his old self, where last year a lot of people thought he was really cooked. It was because Ed Donatel played him as, as a deep safety all the time instead of letting him do the things he's really good at. And they've taken his cornerback room. And it's fine. It's similar to like, the 2021 Bengals where the Bengals didn't really have anybody who was actually good, but nobody was bad or a liability. They were all fine. And that's kind of where the Vikings corners are. They're young. They're feisty. They're aggressive. Even Byron Murphy jr. Is 25 years old. He's been in the league now five seasons. Like this is a very young and aggressive, but disciplined group. And Josh Dobbs, I'll have a piece coming out uh, for Vikings wire Wednesday morning. We're recording this Tuesday night kind of talking about how how is this sustainable? And I do think that the signals that we got from the game, the play from Dobbs is sustainable. The question is, can he sustain it? There's nothing 
like a crazy anomaly about it. He's making full field reads. He's making like he's progressing through the plays really nicely. He's making good throws and good decisions, and he's staying in the pocket and trying to beat you downfield before he escapes when that alarm clock goes off in his head. He's doing all the right things. And I don't know if this Vikings team will go anywhere. They have a history with backup quarterbacks. Randall Cunningham in 98, Wade Wilson in 1987, Case Keenum in 2017. This is a common theme for the Vikings. Is Josh Dobbs the next one? I have no freaking clue. But this ride is going to be real, real fun. And the Vikings are a good team. They are a legit good team. So how about this for a Sunday night football this week? A game that we thought was just going to be a horrendous, horrendous watch. Broncos, Vikings on Sunday night football has turned actually into some a kind of fun game. There are very few people Vikings fans hate more than Sean Payton. This, so. that that is like the the I'm sorry I wasn't familiar with your game <laughs> illustrated as a yeah. It's like those uh that beat it chick memes where he's like he's like a nerd at first and none of the girls want him, and then he's like a businessman <laughs> at the end. It's like now now you want me <laughs> instead of watching some other garbage football teams. Kevin, you wanted to say something? Yeah, uh, Tyler won't like me for this. This isn't sustainable by Josh Dobbs. And it isn't sustainable by the Vikings offense. They have no run game for the most part. And like, it's going to come out and like, just basically expose you at one point. Josh Dobbs was like, kind of good in the first half, but that offense like couldn't sustain anything in the second half. I think they probably had like four or five, three and outs. I, I tried to check. I didn't do any of the actual counting, but it was like four or five, three and outs, uh, which sort of basically allowed the the Saints with, Jameis Winston kind of just like chucking the ball up to Chris Olave three or four times kind of working. Uh, I, I have no concerns about this defense. Uh, Jordan Hicks's injury will hurt them more than I think people really understand it will. Uh, I like Ivan Pace. I don't know if I like Ivan Pace as the one linebacker if they want to keep running the the, the 515 that, you know, Prime Floors has sort of run so far this year. Uh, but this offense, it, it's going to it's gonna come down at some point. Like Josh Dobbs is trying and, you know, to his credit, he's played well through two games. And, like, he has not been the reason why these games or why the either of these games are, like, really close. But the, the offense sort of, like, didn't have any answers in the second half. Uh, and they had, like, one field goal. And outside that, the kid probably had, like, two first downs. And so, like, I am very concerned about a team that can't run the football, uh, has a backup quarterback who, you know, we saw the second half of that Saints game. And this defense of, like, just – you know, without Jordan Hicks uh, for the foreseeable future, I don't know how long it is. Uh, compartment syndrome can be weird, but like it's going to fall apart. I still think they make the playoffs because if you look at that schedule, it's like really easy. Uh, you have like the Bears, the Packers. You got two Detroit then, games. Yeah, I mean, you're probably and not the winning. Bengals. You're probably not winning either of those games. But like as you guys talked about, the NFC is just not good this year. Like there is no other team competing with the. Uh, with the Vikings at this point, unless you think like one of those NFC South teams can like suddenly find something and like become a competitive, like division, but like guys, we've already seen it. They're not going to. And Arthur Smith is a lot closer to becoming a, a CFO at FedEx than like making the playoffs as like a wild card team. So like I, the Vikings are going to make the playoffs, but 
it's just not sustainable, which is fine. Like it doesn't need to be sustainable with the, with the fourth quarterback on the roster pretty much, but like without a run game, it's going to kind of fall apart at some point. So I want to say this real quick before Katzen, the process in which Josh Dobbs is playing is very sustainable. He's doing the right things a quarterback should be doing. Will he sustain it? And will he keep up that level of play? I think is a different question. How, how he's playing is very sustainable and, and that gives me hope. But even if it's not, it's going to be a fun ride because of the dual I mean, threat. Josh Dobbs is going to be fun and he's going to be, you know, make plays that other quarterbacks just can't make. But until they find someone who can run the ball to any sort of consistent level, because like I like Ty Chandler, he's not good as like a RB one Madison can't find a hole like that. That offense is just going to fall apart at some point. So my counterpoint to the sustainability is they've gone on this five game win streak without Justin Jefferson it's mm-hmm. probably going to help that offense a lot when he gets back. So, of course, that doesn't help like with the run game portion of it, but you're getting a big part of that offense back when he's fully healthy. And that's going to help you remain efficient in the passing game. That's, that's going to take a lot more attention off of Jordan Addison, who's played really well, even without uh, Justin Jefferson. Like Jordan Addison, Justin Jefferson. I almost said Jordan Jefferson there. They didn't Shout have KJ Osborne this week either. Which didn't have KJ Osborne. TJ Hawkinson, fantastic game. Like just that were real. That was a real Viking ass game by TJ Hawkinson. So I don't know if it's like truly like yeah, this is gonna be like they're gonna really cook and be like one of the best teams in the NFL. But it'd be fun. I'm fun. I'm in on this. I want to see how far this goes, Alex. Yeah, I just wanted to um, kind of, I guess, to wrap up the the Vikings thing and then also kind of pivot to another team that I wanted to talk about. Um, I think that Kevin made, makes a good point about the fact that, like, even if the Vikings' performance, you know, the last couple of weeks has not been sustainable, like, who is going to challenge them for that playoff spot? I mean, like, the Packers are on this in the hunt graphic and they're three and six and everyone in green Bay is talking about how like the sky is falling and they're going to draft Marvin Harrison jr. Number three overall. Cause they're going to lose every game for the rest of the season. Like this is not a serious playoff field. I think that the seven that are in as of right now are the seven that are going to be in at the end of the season with the exception of whoever wins the NFC South being the four seed, but that's not a real playoff team. And I refuse to acknowledge them. Um, I do want to talk about the Seahawks. Uh, who are six and three, um, just beat the commanders on a last second field goal on Sunday. Um, they are a weird team. I don't really know what to do with them right now. Um, I know that AJ and I disagree on this, but I think I was, so I was at the Seahawks game on Sunday and I I was, I was up in the 300 levels, just like watching it from the, um, from in person. You were were staying. Yeah. To, to get my outside time quota for the season. Um, and something about that offense, whether it's the way that Shane Waldron is calling plays and like, you know, just the way that everything is set up or like, whether it's a Geno Smith thing. And I don't really know where it is um but like something about that offense just feels very clunky at times it's not all the time and they they're perfectly able to like turn it on and you saw them do that against the commanders towards the end of this game where like they had an entire drive where they just kind of like spam the tyler lockett button they had an entire drive that led to the game winning field goal where they just kind of spam the dk metcalf button but like the middle eight 
and like kind of like the second and third quarter parts like there's a lot of clunkiness going on there and i'm i worry about their ability to compete in the conference if they're not going to be able to like whittle that part down a little bit and kind of like find things that work um a little bit more effectively but also devin witherspoon is sick as hell yeah i was uh i was talking about the seahawks dbs on twitter they are top three in terms of best shit talking group like yeah. in the league it's them it's the browns dbs who talk so much shit so much. And then the Steelers receivers, but I think that's kind of that's brought up by uh, NFL that's, young. Boy. That's just George Pickens. That's just that's just George Pickens. <laughs> like, hey, it is what it is. But the Seahawks have some weird turnover issues. Like yeah. it's it's not as bad as like the Bills per se, where like every turnover is like a backbreaker, but it's like kind of high volume. <laughs> like it's yeah. like hey, Gino, like let's not fumble or let's not do this real dumb, throw this real dumb interception. So it's weird, but I also think they're going to figure it out. I don't know if it's like, Oh, they're going to win the division, figure it out. But I think the, the Dallas game in a couple weeks is massive because you really just want to avoid San Francisco. Like well, you, also whoever you wins that game win. probably gets the five seed and gets to play the yeah. NFC South team. Yeah, you want to avoid San Francisco and get the NFC South team. And that by doing by winning that game, you get that. But AJ, I know you were uh you wanted to talk a little bit about the Seahawks. Yeah, I just I think their issues I, I don't think it's schematically, I definitely I definitely don't think it's it's a Geno thing. I think part of it is the offense, the the interior is has just crumbled, right? Like yeah. they're, they're their blocking in general has i mean look at the ravens game like like the only reason that offense would would do anything was was gino being able to stand in the pocket and make a throw every now and then but like that has struggled and i also think we kind of need to have a conversation about kenneth walker playing like russell wilson as a running back where it is like super feast or famine but like yeah. i think we're kind of saying why... his efficiency is way down this season i, Sorry I think it's kind of why they drafted zach charbonnet Right, he it's just to bounce like, every play. He's bouncing yeah. it to the yeah. corner. Yeah, and like, and you know what? It looks great. It's fun when he hits it. It's it looks super cool. But my God, it, when it happens every play, it is. It's like it, he either gets one yard or he gets nine. And unfortunately, this year because of the blocking, he's getting one yard more. And it's getting to the point now where it's like Gino's in a third and seven. And Pete Carroll came out and said like, we don't want Gino in those situations. Like we want Gino to basically be a point guard, which Gino can be like Gino's awesome in that role. But when he's getting into these third and long situations, because the run game has been inconsistent and the, and then, you know, you can't block. It's kind of similar to the Jaguars where it's like you're in third and seven and your interior can't protect your quarterback. Like it's going to look clunky, but against the commanders, they generated a ton of explosives. They were great after the catch. Like it, I think when you can give Gino time, that offense is clicking um, and they're going to get healthier down the stretch of the season. But I, you, like you're saying, if they have to go against Dallas, like good luck blocking Dallas because Dallas can get pressure on, on anybody. And they've already shown that and, and they're opportunistic. So like you, Deron Bland, we all seen what Deron Bland, Stefan Gilmore still making great plays. Like that, that defense can, can win. And then you go over to the offense, like, 
fun as hell matchup with that with that you know, cd lamb versus devon weatherspoon like sign me up every day i want to say one thing because uh one i do like the seahawks and i'm very intrigued to see if they can potentially win the uh nfc west because they are tied for first right now which is something I, I didn't think we would be able to say a few weeks ago i think we need to give credit to sam howell he has looked like a potential guy for the Washington Commanders last few weeks. He ain't perfect, uh, but he has he's shown some improvement, especially with how he manages the pocket, and he's taking less sacks. And that throw to Diami Brown to tie the game was just some phenomenal stuff. Howell might be a dude, and if they can get Ron Rivera out of there and, and a real head coach, then maybe Washington can be something here down the line. I think – he has played himself into giving him an, himself another shot next year. Yes. I don't know if it's like I'm fully committed to him as like the franchise quarterback yet, but he's kind of played himself into, okay, we'll give, we'll give it another year. There are other pressing needs that are on this team. I mean, you need another corner. The offensive line is still a work in progress. He's played. They could have had a corner. Christian Gonzalez was right there. Yeah, but they drafted a, a toothpick who's 150 pounds. But I think the thing about Sam Howell that's kind of surprised me most about his development is he stopped taking a lot of the negative plays. Like he still takes mm-hmm. really bad sacks, but it's not as high volume anymore. But I also think the the raw stats, like the passing yards and stuff, looks good because he's throwing the ball a lot. They don't try to run the ball. Like it looks cool. The numbers like, Oh, he's leading the league in passing yards. Wow. They throw the ball 40 times a game. Like it's kind of like when you play basketball, like when you know you're on a team that doesn't have a lot of other good shooters or people who want to shoot the ball and you're just getting shot. You're Jordan pool. Like you're kind of Jordan pool (laughs) right now. And like, yeah, you're going to put up a lot of points, but you're taking a lot of shots too. So Maybe will that efficiency continue when you t- have to take less shots and you can run the ball a little better? We'll see. But Sam Howell has definitely played himself into giving, getting another year as the starter. So I did want to ask you guys kind of the question in the same vein. This is the last thing we'll get to before we get out of here. Um, which team in the NFC do you have the most faith in when it comes to getting out of the NFC and getting to the Super Bowl? Kevin? Uh, Philadelphia. I think it's probably like the only option where I feel any sort of reliability. Uh, I think San Francisco has looked good recently, but you know, there's obviously the whole question about the quarterback uh, and sort of like, if that is going to be sustainable for an entire season, Philadelphia has the best offensive line football. Their defense is playing pretty well this season. Jalen hurts. If he's healthy and doesn't have like some new mystery knee ailment pop up in the middle of the game is going to be really good and they can just brotherly shove their way to like two yards on every play. So like there is sort of like no real problems with that offense. Uh, my, my problem is that like, if that defense stays sort of consistent, there are some problems like there, there's just some personnel problems. And obviously it's the, it's the whole like running a Vic Fangio defense without Vic Fangio. But like, I feel semi-confident in saying that they're at least going to like, I don't want to say like be in the NFC championship game because like, you can't really predict that. But like when we get to the brackets, they're going to be the one seed or something. And they're going to be the team that like everyone fears in that division or that conference rather. 
AJ? It's tough for me, honestly, because I I have two that are just like immediately come to my mind. I don't think we've talked enough about the one seed Detroit Lions because they get a super easy schedule and the Eagles have to go through the Chiefs, Bills, Niners, Cowboys, and Seahawks in their next five games. There's a potential that they could drop one and the Lions, like, because if the Lions lock up home field advantage and Jared Goff is in a dome front the entire playoff run, like, an NFC championship in Detroit would be super cool. That would be cool as hell. But I also, it's like, you look right now, the Cowboys are really hard to ignore. Like, like that offense after the bye week has actually kind of looked modern and they figured out that CeeDee Lamb is really good at football <laughs> and they just throw him the ball and it works. And he set a record. Like he's the first player ever to have 10 catches and 150 plus yards in three straight games. And with the way that, you know, like the way that Dak Prescott is playing right now, he's lowest in the league in turnover worthy plays highest in big time throws and the offense is cooking and the defense is, is starting to gel. They're starting to figure things out. They feel like Marquise Bell out of nowhere has been tremendous this season for that team. Like it's really like we were talking about with the Ravens. It's really hard for me to not bet on any elite, like proven quarterback and a defense that can harass the hell out of anybody. So I kind of agree with what both you guys said, but as someone whose team just came off of the 49ers ass whooping, it's hard not to pick the 49ers at this point. Like they went out and addressed one of their biggest needs, which was turning up that pass rush with Chase Young. And believe me, man, like that shit is scary because you can't double anybody anymore. When you have Hargrave, Armstead, Bosa, and Chase Young on the field at the same time, and you can really get into the pass rush games that you really want to, you can't double anybody. Fred Warner takes away the entire middle of the field. And basically what they coax you into thinking is, oh, with that pass rush, we can't throw it deep. So we, we got to go to screen game. We got to go runs and check downs. And that's where they want you to be because they can just close the gap so quickly. And you're, you're sitting there in like third and seven and third and eight because none of the screens worked. So that defense is finally turned a corner. I think getting healthy at DB really helped them a lot because now you're not playing Isaiah Oliver. You're playing D'Amador Lenore who had a really good game against Jacksonville. Um, offensively, I know the concerns about Brock Purdy are there. I still have those, those concerns about Brock Purdy. My also major concern is if you can keep Trent Williams healthy, you're probably the best team. You're one of the best teams in the league. That, that changes the math for the 49ers offense, getting Debo back healthy. They can get into so many different personnel, like, groupings, formations, and then they just had the Monstars, man. I, It's really hard to bet against a team like that who's proven they can get all the way to the Super Bowl without needing like the quarterback to play like one of the top guys. Alex, what was your pick for a team you have the most faith in in NFC right now? Yeah, I'm in a kind of process of elimination this, I guess, just with like the top four teams, right? So like you have Eagles, Niners, Lions, Cowboys, I think that the NFC much more so than the AFC is going to be a game state sort of playoff bracket where like if the Lions have to play like say the Niners and that pass rush is able to heat up Jared Goff who is 
gotten better under pressure but is still not very good when pressured then like that's gonna cause problems for the lions right and like same thing with the eagles that have this pass rush that can get after the lions obviously the lions offensive line has been stellar this year um and so like you know maybe that doesn't end up being an issue but it's much more of like a game state conversation i think the Cowboys, I do want to trust the fact that, like, they have this elite defense and Dak Prescott is on a tear right now. But also, like, there is something spiritually wrong with the Cowboys, at, like, every single year. They're going to do something dumb in the playoffs, and they're going to they're gonna drop a game. And I think also the Cowboys have the problem where, like, I don't think they're going to be in position to win the NFC East, which means that they're going to have to go through the, the bracket on the road all the way through. You're, you're going to have to go with the way that the Eagles schedule is. I know we just ran through the Eagles schedule and everything, but like, it's going to be tough. And like, if you have to go through all those teams on the road, I think regardless of whether you're talking about the Cowboys or the Eagles having to do that, like that, that makes it significantly more difficult. Um, the Niners, we touched on like, you know, the Brock Purdy problems. I think also just like health is going to be a question. Um, like it is with the Niners kind of every year. They're kind of like, the NFC version of the Ravens where it's just like, it kind of feels like a key guy could get hurt. It really at any given moment for them because it's happened to them over and over and over again. Um, and so like, you know, as much as I want to like land on someone that is not the Eagles, I think it's just like, I just like, I just trust the Eagles the most just like in my soul, I think. And that like, I don't, typically think that like the one seed is um you know gonna be a lock for you know making it to the super bowl or making it to the nfc championship game even but like it just feels right it just feels the best <laughs> yeah and i think they kind of match up like i think the 49ers and cowboys i think the cowboys are i think the niners are a bad matchup for the cowboys i think they all they've always been kind of a bad matchup yeah. just because they just hammer them <laughs> like they they're that Cowboys defense is built so much on pass rush and getting up the field. The Niners is like, OK, we won't throw the ball. We don't have to. And then they always give Dak problems. I think if they if the Cowboys have to go to San Francisco again, it would have to you would need Michael Gallup and Brandon Cooks against the Giants. You would need them to play like that. I don't know if you're going to get that because I don't know if it's been like, it hasn't been consistent. Um, the Eagles, I, it was honestly between the Niners and the Eagles for me. I think the Eagles also like are a bad matchup for the 49ers because the Niners weakness is you can throw deep on these corners. You can attack the corners if you have time and you're going to get time with the Eagles. You have the best offensive line of football. And if Jalen Hurts gets time to throw the ball deep, they have the winners on the, on that side. Tyler, Getting to you, who is the team that you have the most faith in that's not the Vikings in the NFC? <laughs> um, uh, it, this is going to sound weird, but I have the most faith in the Green Bay Packers to not make the playoffs. Um, Heck yeah. It, it just makes me <laughs> really yeah. happy. Um, Jordan Love stinks. And I, I, I just I love that Packer fans are finally having to deal with the, what the rest of us have had to deal with for a good amount of our football fandom, a bad quarterback. And it, it just warms my heart. But honestly, it, the way things are trending, I really like the Dallas Cowboys for a lot of the reasons that we've talked about. They are finding their groove with Mike McCarthy, and he is 
putting these guys in positions to succeed. Now they still have to execute, but if you can keep Tyron Smith healthy and you can get this running game a little bit better and keep, keep Dak rolling like he is, you have lamb just playing out of his damn mind. He's the top five receiver in football at this point. He's just playing fantastic. And the defense is playing really well, even without Trevon Diggs on the outside, who they just extended and gave $20 million a year. Bland has stepped up. Gilmore is not washed. He's not what he used to be, but he's still playing good football. And even without Leighton Vander Esch, who has suffered what? It feels like his 100th neck injury. Yeah, like, he might be uh, like done. You, like, good for you. Just retire. You've got benefits for life. Just maybe you should step away because it, you don't want to be crippled at 50. Like, it, this, this many neck injuries is just brutal. But D- Dak doesn't get enough respect for being a really, really good quarterback. And he sh- he's shown it the last few weeks. He played really well against the Eagles. And outside of a couple unfortunate happenings that really weren't his fault, they could have easily beaten the Eagles on that Sunday afternoon. And the Eagles still got to come to Dallas. If you can pull that out and you can get like that Eagles gauntlet, the Eagles lose two of those games. The Cowboys could still pull away with that division. Even if they don't, it's not exactly this massive undertaking to potentially get to uh, the Super Bowl. You still got to beat the Eagles. You're probably going to have to beat the 49ers but they're going to be much better prepared. And I think it'll be a different outcome. This four Anders may still win, but it's not going to be what 41 to 10. Like it was last time. It's going to be a much closer game. Yeah. And honestly, I kind of, AJ, did you have one more point? Yeah. I just, I kind of do with Tyler's point of like getting them at home. If you look the remainder of the Cowboys schedule, they get the Eagles at home. They get the Seahawks at home and they get the Lions at home to close out the year. They've won their last 12 games at home. I'm really intrigued to see how that Lions it, game goes. Yeah. It, and and it, like if, if you know, because with the Eagles stretch, if Dallas steals enough games during that stretch and then beats the Eagles, they're the one seed. I think like, like it, it, then you got you get the Detroit game. Like they can, if they're at home throughout this entire playoff, like if they can, even if they're not the one seed, if they could just, stick with one of the higher seeds like that's tough man if if they can if they can somehow pull it off against detroit i think that would influence a lot my belief in them actually beating yeah. san francisco because i just look man yeah. you gotta show you gotta show me you can yeah and like, like to their credit they did withhold the, the eagles run game for the most part you know deandre swift did not have a hundred plus yard game like he has pretty consistently throughout the year like he, I, I just like when i look at these other teams I, I wonder like like the eagles like if if you can get any time you can dice up that defense like their their coverage has been awful like i don't i don't trust anybody in that back half of the defense the defensive line scary as hell i i just cannot care about the rest of that team i really can't it's it's going to be interesting. I think the NFC honestly might be a little more interesting than the AFC because you just don't know who is going to like who's going to get that seven seed is low-key very funny and very interesting. But we will be here to talk about all of it. We'll be here to discuss all of it. We'll be here to make jokes because that's what we do. Um, 
Before we leave, we'll do rapid fire. No explanations. Super Bowl predictions. Tyler, go first. Rapid fire. Super Bowl prediction. Dallas Cowboys versus Baltimore Ravens. Kevin, Super Bowl prediction. Go. Uh, Chiefs, Cowboys. Alex. Ravens, Eagles. AJ. Chiefs, Lions. Chiefs, Niners. Thank you. Thank you guys for watching, not watching, but listening to Sorry No Podcast today. Once again, give us five stars. If you don't give us five stars on every platform, we'll say nice things to Kevin. And nobody wants that. So make sure you so make sure that you give us five stars. We are always watching. We are always being haters. So if you don't give us five stars, we will hate. It might not be very loud, but we will hate and you will know. From AJ, Alex, Tyler, Kevin, I'm JP, and we'll see you later. <laughs>